I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and good evening to Alex McCarthy's Wrestling Daily right here on Wrestle 2. As you can see, I am flanked by the almighty SP3, Mr. True Hill Heat himself. He is back once again. And that means it is debate day. And today, as you can see by the title, we're going to be talking about the invasion angle, which of course is a timely topic given what's going on at the moment. And yeah, we're going to talk about whether it was as bad as everyone makes out. That's the crucial point here. Is it as bad as everyone makes out? So um, we, me and SB3 will be diving into it, getting our nostalgia all up in the room. Um, but yeah, did you say that? Yeah. What was that? <laughs> um, all right. Uh, there's a run in. Anyway, guys, thank you for joining us tonight here on Wrestling Daily. SB3 by my side once again. How are you, my man? I'm doing great, man. I, I'm I'm kind of disappointed. I, I wore my Christmas, as you call it, a jumper. And here in America, we just call it a sweater. But I, I wore it because you you had the great Christmas jumper the other day, and I was like, we're in a competition. This is Christmas mm. season, so I'm I'm coming hard with my jumpers this year. He, he never he never stops coming for me, guys. Ever in any line of work, he's just there. <laughs> uh, no, listen, I will. You're here Friday, right? You're yes, here on Friday. I will bring a fresh Christmas jumper to the table. And I've got a good one. I've got a good one in mind. I'm still going to save my you know, my top top tier one for the end of year special. Now that <laughs> one, that, you know, that that's not one you you know, you don't you don't just bring that out, SB3, right? That's like of a course. that's a heavy hitter. That's uh you know, Brock Lesnar's only got a select few dates, right? But I do have a good one for Friday. So uh yeah. If anyone wants to tune in and see the Battle of the Jumpers slash Sweaters, Friday's your day. Anyway, um, like I said, today is debate day, but it is always Ultra Chat Day. Always. And I know you guys want to talk to SP3 and get his opinion. So please make sure you do what it says at the bottom and get those questions or messages into WrestleTalk.com forward slash Wrestle2. Mod Mother Lady Lou, in all of her infinite wisdom and excellent abilities, will then transfer that to us, and we will read that on screen no matter what amount you donate. And of course, we sincerely appreciate all of the support that you guys have shown us thus far and continue to do so. As SB3 has coined, you are elite. Good eggs. So thank you so much for that so far and keep them coming. We love them so much. I understand as well that the podcast has been updated. Uh, I believe it was done this afternoon. So the last 
couple of episodes are now up there for your perusal, for your enjoyment. So please feel free to go there on Spotify, ACAS, all of the good ones, my friends. Make sure you go and grab yourself some Wrestling Daily Delight. And you know what I'm about to say. Wrestle too, man. Subscribe, get those notifications on. And it's nice as well that they're growing on Twitter. I see a lot more people are following the account there. We've got nearly 31,000 subscribers here on YouTube. So if any of you are watching this, make your way to Twitter and hit that like button. I will say, I saw that CM Chris, one of the very up, the very top tier upper echelon good eggs, SP3. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't even that wasn't even high enough for me there. That's right. That's at the top of the bracket. Um, he has created a Twitter account. He didn't have one, which is wow. astounding for a wrestling fan. But... You're about to, yeah, you've opened yourself up to a whole new world, CM Chris. Um, but he did, and him and Carol have followed each other. Carol Wands, another amazing exit. Guys, keep it going. I like this follow train. I like this little community we have built here on Wrestling Daily. Let me tell you something I don't like. Bill Goldberg. <laughs> He's on the bump today with Roman Reigns' name in his mouth. I don't like it, SB3. Talk to the people. Why is it that as soon as I heard this, I was like, oh, man, Alex is going to be triggered. <laughs> so, uh, so angry. Bill Goldberg was on the bump today. Uh, they were talking about the streak ending uh, untold documentary that's going to be on WWE Network. And he addressed the tribal chief. I mean, our tribal chief, your tribal chief, everyone's tribal chief, even him. He's not at the head of the table. He's on the sidebar, but his tribal chief, Roman Reigns, uh, saying that they he backed out of WrestleMania, he stole his move. This was the big one for me, that he's performing at a subpar level. Bill Goldberg saying someone Says is performing. Goldberg! <laughs> the, the audacity of this man to say Roman Reigns is performing at a subpar level, and oh. he says that who is next? Roman is next. So, and they did bring up WrestleMania in title. So it validated our good friend Louis Dangor's uh, exclusive from yesterday about Bill Goldberg being in the conversation to verse Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 37. Yeah. And I believe that. I mean, there had been a report as well after his SmackDown appearance. I want to say it was Inside the Ropes who had said as well that Goldberg was being prepped for that. Um, for that spot in case of the rock that seems to be the key line in every report is like in case the rock doesn't um but now is this them firming up goldberg it might be that goldberg is on the road to wrestlemania you know it might be at the saudi arabia show which we presume might be able to happen in what do they have one in like march february right it might yeah, happen it might happen now with vaccines and things flying around. Certainly is in the UK. And I know America have ordered a big batch. So who knows? The world actually might get some semblance of normality. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's what Roman Reigns has got to do. He's got to get back in the <laughs> he's got to get back in the gym with Goldberg. Uh, let Goldberg show him some chain wrestling techniques. Uh, get his basics down. And just come back at it, you know? That's all you can do. You can only wish to be at Goldberg's level, I'm afraid. Man, I, I know Roman had to take care of his family, but I really I really just want to, you know how, like, you get a plate of food 
and you got the Brussels sprouts, but then you also got, you know, your mashed potatoes, your candy yams and your chicken and your kid. And you got to get through the Brussels sprouts to get through all the good stuff. I wanted to get through that Brussels sprout of a match between Goldberg and Roman Reigns. Get that out the way. I'm disappointed that we have to go through another WrestleMania season where this is going to be a headline match. And I'm going to go on record here. I don't see The Rock versus Roman. I don't see it happening now. Now that we got Roman, I mean, uh, Goldberg going on the bump and saying this, I don't see The Rock being the the move here. I see that we are going to get Goldberg and Roman, which I'm hoping, I'm hoping they come to their senses that Big E is in some match that pops a good rating. That Vince is like, you know what, Ooh. we're gonna we're gonna go with Big E and R- Big E versus Roman. Because if they bump Big E to a mid card match and put in Goldberg against Roman, I can never forgive the WWE. Just yeah. like I said when the when they ruined the evasion angle. <laughs> good foreshadowing my friend um uptown havendale says it's amazing how much nicer presumably he means me is to sb3 and steph alex hates the young that's rich coming from you uptown havendale you give it to louis every single episode come on now um no listen sb3 and steph they know they don't interrupt that's louis's problem Right, these, these yeah, someone else has said, um, where is it? Somebody has said that Alex hates the youth. Alex hates Louis for his youth. I mean, partly, but the youth are they're entitled SB3, they're, they're, they're chomping at the bit, man. That's what it is. Louis, you trying to usurp me, of course. I have a lot of love for Louis. Oh, we always joke. Um, but moving forward, we look, you know, we've just spoke about Goldberg and Roman Reigns, which I really, I really hope that I don't have to talk about that too much more in the coming months, but I suspect I'm going to have to. Um, oh, also, Pierre makes a good point here, by the way. Alex hates Louis due to <laughs> Alex still isn't over it. Listen, it hurts. It hurts. But but I don't blame Louis as much as I blame Andy Datsun's cheating cheating ways um and i don't care what anyone says there's no way he plucked the smoking guns out of thin air i refuse to believe it deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Anyway, um, moving back to the news. Let's talk about last night. We have to talk about last night. Of course, it was the crossover of Impact and AEW. And when I say crossover, I mean that in the mildest term. There was two segments. But still, it was a massive night for Impact. They had record numbers on Twitch. Apparently, the segment with Kenny Omega doubled, over doubled their record number on Twitch prior to that which is pretty incredible. Um, they were averaging around 35,000, 40,000 people on Twitch throughout the show, uh, again, which is a great number. I just... Um, it was... the uh, Both of them were good segments. I loved the... I personally loved the Tony Khan, Tony Schiavone uh, segment. I thought it was great, uh, especially when Tony was like... Uh, Skyvane, I should say, was... Uh, was like, yeah, you know, Tony was like, Did, didn't you have a cup of coffee here? And he was like, yeah, 18 years ago. No, sorry, yeah, well, I, for one day, and then I didn't work in the business for like 18 years. Um, <laughs> I thought it was great. Uh, I, I thought the Kenny and uh, the Kenny and Don Callis segment, and Josh Matthews, if you want to say that, uh, I thought Don Callis did great. I thought his promo was like killer. I've seen people go, "Oh, I know he went too long," and he went, "I don't know, I don't know." I thought he was, I thought he was very, very good. I even thought Omega was good. I, I was entertained. I they just there obviously wasn't that much content in what they were saying. They they gave a bit of backstory, but I don't think people got what they really wanted. Now there was the Rich Swan tease, right? Yes. Which with uh, before. We get there and he's not allowed to go out to the bus and all of this stuff. And that's obviously something very subtle because Kenny Omega as well did kind of say, you know, I might just come in and face the champions and stuff like that. So there was little Easter eggs and stuff like that. And I really did enjoy Kenny Omega um, and Don Callis giving it to Josh Matthews. <laughs> with the whole, weren't, you, uh, weren't you on Tough Enough and uh, and you, you Stanford Stooge? <laughs> you knew Ambrose. It's like you're cool with Ambrose. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was, that was funny. That bought me good. Um, so listen, like it was cool, but it was obviously just like a, a prelude almost. Like, it, it seems like Dynamite is going to be where... You know, Kenny said that he teased a big announcement. So it seems like this was more of setting the table rather than like a massive jump off point SB3. So for me, I'm thinking like it was it was good. I just feel like maybe people had their expectations a bit higher than what was actually there. Yeah, I think it's more of what you expected as a fan. I think if you didn't know the the situations behind the whole decision, I think you would have went in with, oh, I want him to go out there and get into a whole big brawl with the Impact roster or have a promo against one of their one of their great talkers. When you have to think about it, this is taped after they did their whole big taping for the end of the year. So are they really going to hire a crew to come out, set up the ring, set up the whole set 
for one segment extra to add on. No, it made sense for them to do it on the the uh, Omega Express or the new Lex Express. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> just the whole segment, just his cocky demeanor. This was a great explanation type promo. When someone has a heel turn, you want to hear an explanation. And I agree with you. Don Callix was absolutely stellar. Like he mm-hmm. tied together five years of storylines from New Japan Pro Wrestling, from him going to Impact Wrestling and to Omega being in AEW and tied it all together. It, it not only foreshadowed that Omega was going after the Impact World title, it foreshadowed that he would be going back to New Japan and trying to get the IWGP Heavyweight Championship again. And it's something that was like right before our eyes, but we didn't really see it, is Omega the Bell Collector. Because mm-hmm. he is the AAA Heavyweight Champion. He's going to be on their big show, Triple Mania, uh, I think this weekend. Uh, he's the AEW World Champion. You got Rich Swan. If you think about it, all ties together. Rich Swan is feuding with Moose, who Moose is the the self-proclaimed TNA World Champion, which has been building up for a couple of months now with Moose going after the Impact World title. So we could potentially, before Hard to Kill in January, and this is me fantasy booking here, you could see Moose versus Rich Swan for the uh, TNA and the Impact World titles at Genesis, which is their Impact Plus special in January before Hard to Kill. And then the winner of that versus Omega for all three titles. And Omega walks out with three titles. And then he he has his own gauntlet. And then you can go further than that. A couple of weeks before Hard to Kill, you got Wrestle Kingdom. And who is in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom? The fellow golden lover himself, Koto Ibushi. And Koto Ibushi could walk out with the IWGP heavyweight title and the IWGP Intercontinental Championships. And wouldn't it be lovely for Omega to challenge Obushi with both of those titles. You can build it up for a couple of months for Dominion. You could build it up. It could be on AEW. There's so many ways for them to go about this. And it just, this was a great chapter one. And I think mm. with Kenny Omega promos, people have to realize it's not always about what you get in the context of watching it in a vacuum. It's about looking back on it weeks from now because even something as small as his promo before Full Gear, when he was at the random house, he was like, this is not even my house. And we had the picture of Don Calix and the Golden Sheet. That was an Easter egg that basically told you what was to, the, what's, what was to come. And mm-hmm. we didn't even see it until in retrospect after the turn, it was like, oh, it was right before our eyes that they were teasing that he was going to be with Don Callis because he was at Don Callis's house. The black SUV after Dynamite, that's the same black SUV that he went into after All Out when him and him and Paige lost the tag team titles. Mm-hmm. Eddie Omega is a master at setting the seeds of a story, and this is just chapter one, and it's going to make people watch Dynamite tonight. And we have a huge announcement on Dynamite that may lead to people watching maybe Final Resolution on Saturday for Impact Wrestling, or maybe next week on Impact Wrestling, or maybe even the New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, Best of Super Juniors and World Tag League Finals. We don't know what is to come, and I think people just have to be patient because it all pays off when you watch Omega. And that's the thing, right, with wrestling fans, and I, I, I would even be guilty of this sometimes, you you want what you want, right? So you think, I want this payoff now, and like, you're excited to watch something, and then you're a bit like, you've got your mind transfixed on something that you want to happen. And when it doesn't necessarily play out the way you want, you're like, oh. And then you don't really objectively look at what you in- watched instead. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, Kenny Omega is like, 
He's like a walk-in, usual suspects. Anyone ever watched that film? Amazing film. And at the end, the detective, uh, I can't even remember his name like now, but um, Kevin Spacey basically just spins him a tale and he realises, he just tells him a lot of things that are in the room. He just makes the story up. But, mate, he only realises it at the end as he's gone. And that's the same with Kenny Omega in retrospect. A lot of his stuff comes to fruition. SB3, let me ask you, did Impact make the most of all the eyes that were going to be on their product? Did they put on a great show? I, I thought it was a really good show. It was one of their, you know, I'm a, I'm a person that watches Impact from week to week. But I wanna, I went into this looking at it as more of a casual fan than someone that watches it from week to week. And I think they did a good job of putting on display their their great performers. I think the main event choice was excellent. This it's not every day, and we were talking about this with you know WWE and you know diversity and having you know different people. And me as a black wrestling fan to see four four African Americans in the main event. That's like, wow, I don't really see this every day. All of them are in the world title picture. This is something that gets me interested into impact wrestling. Then you had the opening match with Josh Alexander and Chris Saban, two excellent professional wrestlers. You mm-hmm. got the whole story of the North's dissension. And you know, if you came, they did a good job with that match of kind of telling you the whole story of the North with them being the two-time impact tag team champions with them uh, being the longest rating tag team champions and what's going on in the dynamic between them right now. I don't think every match they did a good job of kind of introducing who the characters were because they had a lot of new fans and I thought they could have done the extra, the extra mile by kind of telling the kind of telling a short story about each character that they were presenting. They did a good job of not going heavy with their over the top outrageousness because they have a lot of over the top outrageousness when it comes to Sue Young, Rosemary, James Mitchell, who shot Bravo. There's a lot of outrageousness in impact wrestling and they toned it down for this episode because I think they realized that they had a lot of casual fans who weren't going to get into that and would have been annoyed with that. I think that they did a good job of presenting the performers that would translate to getting people invested. But at the same time, I wish they would have gone a little bit extra to kind of introduce the characters a little bit more. I think they did a good job, not a great job. That's how I would, I would character, you know, characterize it as I, you know, Chris Bay, I mean, that guy, with all due respect to Impact, he will go on to bigger and better things. Eventually, he will be, a, a, I I believe, a a decent player in one of the top two companies, AEW or WWE. Definitely spot for him. So it's good that he was spotlighted. I'm kind of, I'm cool with uh, Sammy Callahan and Eddie Edwards picking things back up. And, you know, talking about casual fans, they actually mapped that out really well. Like the, the hearkening back to the baseball bat spot and showing people what that was all about. I thought that was well done. Um, yeah. So there, there was there was definitely some there was definitely some cool things, and Diana Perazzo as well was showcased, and we found out who she's going to be facing at the next pay per view and stuff like that. So it's um, like I said, I think they set the table fairly well, and it's hard to yeah, I, I'm critiquing here. It's very hard to kind of be like they should have gone balls to the wall, like and you know how could they really have done that within the confines of a show and making everything make sense and continuing their trajectory to the next event. Um, so I think they did well. That's what I would say. Yeah, I'm, and I, I would hope that their numbers reflect that continuing on week on week and what Kenny Omega has to say on Wednesday tonight on Dynamite. That is to me the most interesting thing. Like, is there going to be the continuing dynamic 
with impact. Was that really a one-off that he was just there to set the table and you know keep this Don Callis thing to really make that make sense? But is it going to be branched away from impact moving forward? I don't I think there will be some impact crossover because Tony Khan talking about young bucks and the motor city machine guns. I don't think he did that for nothing in his yeah. little promo. And I also think that Kenny and Rich Swan, there was too many teases between the pair of them to suggest that won't happen. So I've got those two matches in my mind at the very least. And I've still holding out hope that the women's divisions will cross because I think AEW could do with that impact for me outside of stardom and WWE is the best women's division. So, you know, I'm yeah. thinking, I'm saying more specifically NXT with WWE, but you still have to look at their actual talent on either Raw and SmackDown. I'm, my God. Um, so, yeah, I think it wasn't bad. And um, I'm very, I'm still very interested to see where we're going from here. Um, shall we get to some ultra chats? Um, we do yeah. have uh, one from bo hill and i'm actually led to believe that there are many having paypal issues again today come on paypal paypal's got real life real life heat with me paypal has um keep letting us down every day man what's the deal we have to go back to we don't want to are we going to regress to super chance is that what's going to happen i don't want to ultra come on i know you can't go back yeah, exactly. Get your, get your shit straight. Damn it. Um, Bo Hill, though, I mean, Bo Hill won't be denied SP3. He will not be denied. And he says, got another one for you. Oh, wow. You know, he's he loves these theoreticals. Create your own four-person intergender faction. All promotions are available for you to choose from. Doesn't matter how many men and women. Just have to have at least one each. Ooh. Now, that is an interesting story because immediately I'm thinking, hmm, who makes sense? Like, you know, how could I tie up some stories between promotions, which I know you definitely can between, you know, an AEW and a Stardom or New Japan or WWE, anywhere, man. Um, I think something just it hit me. It just hit me like an epiphany and it makes sense. Okay. Kenny Omega. Koto Bushi, Bailey, and Sasha Banks, the golden role lovers. That's it. You've done it. I can't even beat that. That's it. <laughs> that is it. Um, yeah, that would be amazing, man. Uh, like I said, it, it ticks all the boxes. The talent, the story, <laughs> it's all there. Um, yeah, man. Jesus. Like, I, I, the thing that was coming to my mind was like, and always, and I remember this is very hit and miss. So when I spoke to Samoa Joe about like having kind of the same ethnicities in one group, he was like, why? But then I spoke to Jay Uso and he's like, yeah, that's cool. So you don't necessarily know, but I was thinking like there'd be like a Japanese stable of just like amazing workers where you could have like Oscar Io Shirai and then I don't know, Akada and, Mm. you know, Ibushi or Tanahashi or I don't know, Naito. I don't know, but there's so many like that you could get and just dominate. Ah, oh, they would dominate. You, you can go uh, Asuka, Kyrie Sane, Okada, and and Nakamura. Yeah. Kabu- Kabuki Chaos. <laughs> you could. <laughs> you could do that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was trying to think of a British stable for a second, but man, like, hmm. it's tough. It is tough because, like, you, um, Finn Balor doesn't count because of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> Drew... 
Uh, yeah, oh, mate, obviously Pace is retired. At one, at once upon a time, we do have loads of like, like a European stable could be fire as well over here. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's. I can't beat the golden stable. I can't. <laughs> Even though I like Ibuki Chaos, I think the golden stable wins that one. Um, we got anyway, we got to ask the chat. Who, what's what's the better one, Kabuki Chaos or Golden Roll Lovers? Um, from what I've seen, the the first one, okay, uh, has been the winner. Everyone has <laughs> everyone has gone on that, and rightly so. And I don't think it's going to be SP3's first and last victory of the night <laughs> because I have an uphill struggle right tonight. This is the thing with what we debate, like. Me and SP3 are actually ridiculously like-minded in our opinions, but for this show, we have to we have to you know play devil's advocate. And unfortunately, I get the short straw tonight, and it is making the. And I do believe this to a degree, but it's just very hard to argue against. I know what SP3 is going to come at me with, so we're going to talk about the invasion. Hopefully, by the time we get through this. There will be no PayPal issues and we can get into it. Otherwise, guys, I promise I will just come to the chat and we will use you guys for the last 10, 15 minutes because it's not your fault that yeah. PayPal's down. And uh, we obviously love it when you're involved. So please do keep trying. And I know Mod Mother Lady Lou is on top of this stuff and she will keep us going. Um, let's just hope that that resolves itself. Until then, allow me to set the table. Back in 2001, WWE would buy out WCW for quite a lowly price, all things considered, only a few million dollars. And um, essentially, it was because Eric Bischoff, who had a consortium at one point, or so he thought, the deal fell through because TNT then pulled, wanting to have a wrestling show on their network. Thus, WCW became pretty worthless because they had no home, no TV deal, therefore, no investors. In step WWE, who said, well, we'll take your video library and we'll take over some of your uh, contracts. But there was a lot of contracts that WCW had that were really expensive. And WWE said, hmm, I think we'll let them lapse and we'll come back to those later. And you can understand why they did that, because WCW were paying a lot of money at that time, especially to guys like Nash, Goldberg, uh, Hogan. They were on insane cash. So WWE, in the end, they did. <laughs> they picked up some talent. They picked up uh, Booker T, of course, as like he was the champion at the time. You have to assume WWE wanted that to be the case when they looked at who they were taking over. Um, uh, you know, they... In, in the invasion angle, we did get DDP, who eventually became The Undertaker's stalker, which I maintain the reveal was amazing. Just the storyline yeah. was trash. Um, <laughs> again, so I'm already countering my own points. Um, so, yeah, I mean, eventually WCW would come up. You know, they got stuff like um, Stacey Keebler and Tori Wilson were kind of nice pickups at the time for what they were. Um, the Hurricane Helms came in. There was like lots of kind of what you would go on to say were nice pickups. Lance Storm, you know, is another one that comes to mind. But in terms of star value, WWE didn't really get much. Um, and as a result, ECW, of course, went under as well. Um, not long before that, and WCW picked up that. I mean, WCW, uh, sorry, WWE. WWE had been, I don't know the best way to phrase this. They had been picking up 
ECW financially for a while. Like Ooh. Paul Heyman had had a lot of loans and things from Vince and they'd been sort of talent shares down the years. I'm sure a lot of us remember Raw and stuff where there was various invasions and Jerry the King Lawler was just crapping on ECW. Jerry By the way, wrestling. Yes, exactly. And by the way, Uptown Avondale, who better than Canyon? I loved Canyon. Um, I, I spoke to such a shame the way uh, things ended for Canyon. But um, I remember speaking to Sammy Callahan, who was like tremendous friends of Canyon. In, in fact, anyone I've ever spoken to in the business about Canyon has doing nothing but amazing words. So thank you for that. Because I remember, I remember being furious, even at the age of like, what was I, 13, that Booker T handed him the US title. Yeah. I was like, come on. Even 13-year-old me thought that sucked. Um, let him win it, God damn it. And, th- and then they fed him to, uh, he was DDP's partner, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, in, in the cage match against the Brothers of Destruction. Oh, woo, that was a steamroller. <laughs> that's the that's the best way I can describe that. Imagine Canyon and DDP sitting down in that going, right, guys, so what are we going to do today? Undertaker just going, it's not really for you to worry about. Like, <laughs> you're, you're not going to do anything. You're not going to be doing much at all, so don't worry about that. Um but yeah, Canyon, uh, I agree with some of the comments in the chat. His moveset really was ahead of its time. I really, really enjoyed him, the brief spell he had there in WWE. Anyway, um, so the point is, after WrestleMania, we know Shane McMahon would do the name on the contract, does read McMahon. And of course, it turns out that he's the owner. Then things get a bit convoluted where Stephanie McMahon and uh, ECW get involved. Uh, you know, it was kind of cool when the first turn happened. So there was like a 10 man on, I think it was a 10 man on raw. It, and, um, it was people in the Alliance, basically it was, uh, sorry, they were going to team up to take out WCW, but then the ECW originals within the Alliance, then were like, ah, they all turned. And then Heyman came out, cut a fire promo at the end of the show. And it was like, wow. But then, and then Stephanie came out and it was like, oh, um, that, that didn't really need to happen. So there we are. They set the table for the next, like, I think it was five months. We had WWE versus the Alliance, which was Shane McMahon and Stephanie McMahon heading up WCW and ECW. Uh, ECW, for what it was worth, had Rob Van Dam. That was like the that was like the best part of it. There was no Sabu or, you know, anything like that, but they had the WCW, uh, they had already, WWE had a lot of the ECW talent anyway, with like Dudley boys, Taz, etc. Although Taz was treated like crap in this angle, but uh, man, I'm getting myself angry and I'm not even on your team. <laughs> anyway, uh, the point is they came together. And what I will say as my opening gambit, it was arguably the most exciting five months of TV that you can remember between Raw and SmackDown because every single show had title matches. Now you can, you can say all you like about, Oh, you know, hot potato in the title and whatnot. And I know there are so many people that are sticklers for that. Um, I really didn't care about it at that age back then watching it. I thought it was exciting as hell. Like every single show, you never knew what was going to happen because now in these days, you and I know SP three, when you're watching someone's title reign, as we've alluded to of TLC, I don't see the top two champions losing, right? In this time, we had Jericho get his first reign uh, and then Rock win it back on a SmackDown. You know, say what you want about decision. But still, it was an exciting thing that happened. Kurt Angle winning the US title. Um, you know, there was a lot of cool moments like that. And then of you know, speaking of cool moments, how about the hardcore title changing hands? Michael Awesome in Madison Square Garden. 
there is a lot of cool things that WWE did get right in terms of the excitement and building it. Ultimately, the argument will be the talent wasn't there, right? They should have waited 12 months. And I'm going to let, I'm going to switch to SB3 at this point because I don't want to say the argument for him. Uh, My argument, my opening argument, I should say, is that the TV, if you take away that aspect, was good value. That actually was entertaining stuff at that time, considering the deck that they had. So what I will say is that in your in your defense that up until SummerSlam 2001 and the night after with the milk bath it it was exactly what you said very exciting television uh the pay-per-views they did one of their biggest buy rates ever for invasion SummerSlam 2001 is on the short list I would say top five to top ten SummerSlams of all time especially yes. the Kurt Angle Stone Cold match the probably the the greatest non-finish WWE title match of all time, in my opinion. Um, So yeah, there was some good moments. And there was even good moments after that. The rise of Rob Van Dam, that fall up until he became a WWF WWF championship contender. Uh, Unforgiven 2001 with Angle winning the WWF title in his hometown of Pittsburgh. The American hero... Uh, winning right after 9-11. Great moments. And not the 9-11 episode of SmackDown. Great moment that they took out of the, like the canon, but it was a great moment within that whole time span of the invasion. Can you remember who The Rock faced on that episode? No. No, I can't. Who do you I am going to give you a clue. Uh-huh. Meat. He was Sean Stasiak. Do you not remember it? So Sean, <laughs> Sean Stasiak like sprints to the ring. I, I hope I've got this right now. But Sean Stasiak like sprints to the ring after the Rock had cut this promo. Rock lobs him out. He demands a match. Rock bottom cheers. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Sean. Cheerio. I, I will say him in a nutshell was hilarious. Just how they, they goofed on him. The comedy was there for the for the whole invasion angle with guys like him. Hurricane had his rise. That's when he became from, uh, you know, sh- uh, Shane Helms to the Hurricane during and that time. Mighty right Molly, it's exactly all good things. But uh, after SummerSlam and after that Monday after SummerSlam, I-, I I could not really tell you much about the television shows outside of Rock and Chris Jericho. That was the only highlight after that period of time. Just. I, I feel like it was just them really overthinking this whole angle. Like, they didn't need to put WCW and ECW together. I'm not even going to use the talent argument. But just you saw the reaction when ECW turned on not only the WWF, but there was members within WCW that were a part of ECW. Mike Awesome, Lance Storm. They were hot for that. And they literally ruined it 30 minutes later by combining the two. And Stephanie McMahon, this goes back to my McMahon's on TV argument. Stephanie McMahon as the ECW 
uh, owner ruined the whole storyline for me. I, that that's where my my attention and my interest in the whole story started to go downhill because it was not needed. That's when it stopped becoming WWF versus WCW versus ECW versus the Alliance. It stopped being that. It was all about the McMahons. It was just an extension of the McMahon rivalry that started at WrestleMania 2000, which the fans were not interested in in that then. They wanted Rock versus Triple H then. And it wasn't interesting a year later in 2001. They had so many good things within it. The, like, go ahead. They were into Vince and Shane at Mania. Yeah, yeah. I'm just talking about when it when it came to that a year a year a year and a half later. I'll say when yeah. when Stephanie when Stephanie became a part of it became a part of the whole ECW angle. The Vince and Shane part should have ended at WrestleMania. Just yeah. Maybe. Make Shane McMahon the owner of EC of WCW. If you didn't want to pay that much money for the contracts, you winded up working with Eric Bischoff uh, a year later. Why didn't you hire Eric Bischoff then to have Shane bring in someone that tried to take down his father and have him run WCW? They could have gone against both WWF and Paul Heyman running ECW. You could have had a three-way storyline that would have went past Survivor Series 2001 that would have took you all the way to WrestleMania. You didn't even have to put the WCW and ECW together then 30 minutes after you brought back ECW. You could have made that a story for a period of time where it was all three going up against each other. And then eventually WCW and ECW decided, hey, let's work together to take down WWF. There was just so much overthinking and hot shot booking that it just became it just made me lose interest on a week to week basis. Stone Cold Steve Austin turning was a hot moment and it was a surprise. It was a twist. Yeah, it didn't make too much sense because you just saw how popular he was on the Monday before Invasion, but they could have made it make sense. I was so upset that he didn't even really like emphasize that, he, that he, he was a part of WCW and ECW. Like He could have really emphasized that this, okay, WCW is where my career started, but ECW is where I found the Stone Cold. The Stone Cold that when I came to the WWF that you tried to hide, that you tried to make something else. You tried to make me the ringmaster when I was he, already Stone Cold. All he said was, oh, I want to be on the winning team. That was it. Yep, yep. It, it's just like, it was just ridiculous. Just their, their hot shot booking. Uh, the Rock coming back was a great was a great moment, too. Like, great it, moment. Great right. moment. Him deciding between the alliance and uh and, and and WWF, but that was just more Rock versus McMahon's. It stopped being WWF versus the Alliance after a while. That's why one of the most interesting storylines was between two WWF guys, between Chris Jericho and and The Rock. And they could have gotten more out of that by Chris Jericho turning on the WWF because Chris Jericho also came from WCW and WW and and ECW. So there they was did, so much they could have done. They did kind of tease the Jericho turn yeah, a lot. Like and they, they and they did kind of make, you know, Jericho did acknowledge to Vince when Vince confronted him that because he used to work there and stuff like that. So I get they could have done more, don't get me wrong. But I will, you know, just more to your point, enhancing your point, what was the second most interesting feud around, you know, or maybe it was the first, in addition to Rock and Jericho, Angle and Austin. So they didn't yeah. actually have a killer player. And when, well, and they did with DDP and they decided to make him the stalker. That was, you know, like when I think back to this period of time and, um, you know, there are some incredible moments. Okay. Like the Kurt Angle milk thing is in there. 
uh, throw, you know, throwing Austin. Or he th- Austin thinks he's going off the bridge, but he's going into a swimming pool. Uh, the, again, these are really good episodes of television. The Rock yeah. returning, Steve Austin, the old Stone Cold, laying out about a million stunners. Who, he, by the way, he looks tremendously gassed about halfway through that. Like, you know what I mean? He after about the sixth stunner, he's getting up and he's like. Uh, and Taz, uh, Taz and Arvidi are standing there like, come on, <laughs> you're meant to be stunning us right now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, th- there were a load of great moments like that. And I do think the steady uh, growth of Austin's character in that period, to the point that you're talking about, uh, just after, I'd say after Unforgiven, you know, whenever he re- wins the title back, was really good where Vince is trying to get him to come out of his shell because he's turned from a heel to kind of a joke where he wants to hug and do the guitar, which again was really entertaining TV, which is kind of the crux yeah. of my argument. Um, and then he snaps the old stone cold, but then just when you think you got him back, you haven't just like when the rock turned in 98, the people were like, we have the people's champ. You know, finally we're behind him. No, you're not because he's the corporate champ. And it was like that same kind of amazing switching. Um, I just, to me, you're talking about being taken out of it with all of the stuff that you, you know, Stephanie and whatnot. And retrospectively, as I sit here and, or, and I have watched it since same Yeah. at the time, I didn't really know that much about ECW other than it existed or WCW. I'd watched a bit. Um, so child me didn't have a problem with anything that was going on. I was finding it very exciting. I was like, man, what the hell is all of this? Like, and you know, I knew that Paul Heyman was from ECW, but other than that, I hadn't watched the heat wave yet or anything like that. Like I was just like, okay. Um, as a, and you know, so in 2001, again, I'm 13, I'm not reading any internet stuff or anything like that. To me, that period of time was exciting. Um, when I look back, I can pick a ton of holes in the stories now. I think my problem was I, I had the same problem that I have now. I watched too much wrestling even at 13 <laughs> years old. I was a big ECW fan. I live in New York, so it came on syndication on Saturdays mm-hmm. at 1 a.m. On, on Madison Square Garden Network. And I stood up every single Saturday. My mom would come and be like, why are you still up? I was like, I got to watch wrestling. She's like, wrestling's on at this time? And Rob Van Dam coming out to Pantera Rock, Walk. This is where I fell in love with rock music and stuff that I wasn't really interested in. ECW was came from it. When Paul Heyman came over to WWF, I was so excited because Paul E. and some of those promos, especially towards the end of ECW, when he was legitimately pissed with TNN, those were great. And that's why I loved him on commentary. And that's why when he did that turn and was the head of ECW, I was like, yes, put Paul Lee in charge. Yes, make this interesting. Make this really an invasion. Make this what we should have gotten in 1997. I wanted more of that because that was when I was a re- I first got into ECW. When I saw hmm. them on that Monday Night Raw in February of 1997, I went out of my way to order Barely Legal in March of 1997. And that's the genesis of me becoming an ECW fan. So Four years later, I wanted so much more for ECW. I knew Rob Van Dam would be a star. Even Tommy Dreamer coming in, he was the heart of ECW. I was like, Tommy Dreamer coming through the crowd with Rob Van Dam, that was a great moment. And then all those guys turning, the Dudley Boys, I was like, you guys know the Dudley Boys can have great matches with Edgy Christian and the Hardys, but you don't know the Dudley Boys are the some of the best promo in the business, especially Bully Ray, Bubba Ray. Mm. He can cut a promo and get people heated and make ECW the top heel faction. 
but they just didn't want that. They wanted it to be about the McMahons. Like, that's my issue with yeah. this whole thing. It oh. wasn't WWF versus the Alliance. It was all about the McMahons. Yeah, or well, all WWE talent. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, Austin was positioned, obviously, as the centerpiece, so no one really got a chance to speak, like uh, uh, Bubba Ray or anyone. Um, what I will say is that uh, I do feel RVD was made in this time, you know, he was obviously yeah. inserted into the triple threat with Kurt and no, Stone Cold, Jericho. Yeah. No, Jericho. No, no. It, it was Kurt and it was Kurt and Stone Cold at No Mercy 2001. My my brain was because I also had another triple threat that year with Jericho and Benoit, which had my yeah. main my mind fried for a second. Um, yeah, I mean, like it was cool to see his rise. Like to me, I became a huge RVD fan in that period. Nobody wrestled like him. The stuff he was doing with Jeff Hardy was insane during that summer like go back and watch it jeff hardy like he kills himself about four times that that ladder spot by the way from um where he goes through the table on smackdown yeah. it's on smackdown just regular tv nearly killing himself young jeff uh mental but amazing at the same time do you know what i mean like rvd was firmly put on the map there rvd was getting wins over like the rock uh angle like he was really yeah and yeah exactly right He's probably the only one that WWE actually treated well that was from the outside that they really went, actually, we're going to proper push you up. Because, you know, DDP was just buried in that stalker, stalker storyline. Like, yeah. yeah, there, no, there was no way a stalker was going to come up. And I, I say buried. It wasn't buried, but like... Mm, I think that was an accurate... accurate yeah, I mean, to me, <laughs> to me, buried is like your career done and you're out. You know what I mean? I mean... But like, where where DDP came in was hey that- hey don't you discredit the European title run he had okay that was a yeah. completely different DDP that was positively page that wasn't even DDP anymore even yeah. like I won't say he was buried but Booker T he came in hot at King of the Ring then you heard the pop for him when he attacked Austin put him through the yes. table and then it was a slow and steady decline for, for he, Booker he, T. he was done when the Rock came back I'm afraid yeah. like yeah, and they were always. If there's two world titles, I mean, I, I can't blame them in a way for like making the Rock and Austin your two world champions if that's what you can do. I mean, if it hadn't have happened, we probably would have gone, it's weird. They didn't do that. You know what I mean? But yeah. at the same time, if Booker T is, and he was really the crown jewel they had from WCW, give, come on, because it, it took him a while to rebound. It wasn't really until, if anyone has keeping score, by the way, you've, you've noticed I'm pretty much on SB3's team at this point. Um, <laughs> It wasn't until he started doing stuff with Gold Dust that he really got over again in like mid 2002, right? And then eventually he was that red hot that he got back to Triple H. And then we all know what happened there. But the point is, he could get red hot and he could have been anyway. They, they, they had him, right? And they still took their sweet time on it. There was many things they could have done. And um, I get it that they ended up getting Scott Steiner. They ended up getting the NWO. They ended up getting Goldberg. If you just waited till 2003, you could have done it amazingly well. Bischoff was there at that point. They could have yeah. had Bischoff in the original iteration because he was gone from WCW prior. Like he didn't, he wasn't didn't have a contract that he was sitting at home for. He was gone, so he could have come in when everyone else came in. I perhaps understand why Vince maybe didn't think of that first off. Um, yeah, I can't imagine he was overly fond of him to begin with. But no. it, you know, when you win the war, I suppose you you start to relax. It's I, I mean, listen. I'm I'm all SP3 as one. I'm not trying to. Uh, I'm not trying to say anything else. But I do stand by the fact that 
you can watch that television and it is some of the most entertaining TV you will watch from WWE ever. Ever. I've said it. That's a six-month span. If you put that on against any other year, nearly any other year, um, you, you will have fun watching it. And, uh, you know, the star power. But I, I did sit here and give you five or six, like, all-time moments that people talk about. Like, that's, you, not many years you can do that where you say, you know, like, 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 like we discussed with Austin and Angle on the Milk, Austin coming back like the old Stone Cold, The Rock returning like, Team! WWE. And everyone going crazy. Like there was there was so much good stuff that went on there. Unfortunately, it was just the the way you know you I know you're go on. No, no, I was gonna say one moment you didn't mention, and this is one that I brought up when everybody was upset about um MJF and Chris Jericho La Dinner Debonair, and it was like, what type of top stars sing together? I was like Sweeping away yeah. Margaritaville, <laughs> taking that last, and it was so like I was like The Rock and Stone Cold, the two biggest stars of all time. A week before the winner takes all, WWF and Alliance, they did a twenty-minute segment doing karaoke. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm literally. And what they did great about that though was the handshake at the end into the yeah. rock bottom, and it was like because rock, rock was like the and I know I'm not the biggest rock mark, but he was the greatest at the at the switch from entertainment to no, I'm serious. Um, and you know we also forget the SmackDown before Survivor Series is yeah. one of the greatest endings to SmackDown universally, where literally the, everyone from the team come out, and it's not the, it's not just that they hit the finishes on each other, it's like the fluidity. And the tempo and the like, the aggression, everything is like, whoa, like, it literally hits you in the face. It's an amazing ending. Um, but I, the you video know, packages the video package for the winner takes all, the video package for the inaugural brawl at, at Invasion. They're definitely in like the top five, top 10 video package and vignettes that WWE ever produced. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I, I think they they butchered the storyline. They did, but there was still a lot of good stuff within that. Upton Avondale was probably uh, <laughs> actually McCoskey. Can we get Esprit Free to karaoke for 15 minutes straight? <laughs> I mean, listen, if you pay your money, anything can happen. Uh, Alex has put a lot of conditions to support his argument. Upton Avondale says if you accept all these conditions, he's probably correct, but that doesn't make the invasion actually good. And Upton Avondale, you are probably right. That is exactly why. SP3 is the winner this week, and he moves to 3-1-2, and two, I think. Um, and it's it's, it's like I say, I, I think for my personal enjoyment, I could still sit there and watch it and enjoy it because I feel like there was a lot of good wrestling, a lot of great moments, a lot of exciting stuff. Like, I will maintain the DDP reveal. If you hear that pop, it's amazing, him as the stalker. Yeah. Not because he's the stalker, because it's a DDP. But what they went from there, again, that's what we're talking about. They They couldn't... They, you know, rubbish. Really, um, they, 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 they've dropped the ball too many times like that, and that's unfortunate. But you know, there we go. I mean, we, we've gone for like I think nearly half an hour, uh, twenty-five minutes on on the invasion, and I think SB three can concede that it was uh, better than people say because I think a lot of people yeah. kill it because it didn't have what it could have had. If you look at it for what it was, it actually was a very entertaining period of time in wrestling. But was it good in the confines of wrestling? Probably not. And therefore, SB3 is your winner. Um, someone's gone old school here. Back Bacon Rasher has gone old school with a uh, super chat. My God. Um, let me go and find this in the thing. It just says, I just wanted to say, 
Gallows and Anderson to pop up behind the sofa after Don and Kenny left. Uh, hot take. WWE hate NXT UK. Okay. Uh, I think it's great and love the hunt. Um, do they hate it? I can see why he says that. I think they don't put enough attention on NXT UK. They don't spotlight it enough. Uh, stuff like they did with, um, you know, Ila Dragunov and, and Walter. I think they realized how great that match was. That's why I like they did the whole watch along with like Sheamus and Drew McIntyre and Shawn Mike was watching it. But they don't do that enough for like like I would love for them to emphasize a kid winning the Heritage Cup championship. I still have to watch that that episode because I heard great things about that match. Very but good. Very they good. didn't really talk about it anywhere. I think like if there was more synergy between the proper NXT and NXT UK, I think more people would be into it and we would we wouldn't have people saying that WWE hates NXT UK. Well, there is synergy. You know, you look at Pete Dunne and, and the Grizzled Young Veterans, but it's one-way traffic. That's yeah. the that's the issue, I guess. Um, you know, NXT UK, I'm a huge, obviously, proponent. I would be loyally anyway, even if I didn't think it was good. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of those guys, I've seen a lot of their careers. So, of course, I feel yeah. a degree of attachment to them. Um, you know, I think Eddie Dennis right now is killing it in his current gimmick. Very Jericho-esque in, like, 2008. And uh, is, is the missus? Is she making a run in SB3? No, that's actually my, my daughter. She just came from the bath, so. Oh, oh I was going to say. I mean, okay. Um, my, my kids are, are in bed, but but not. I can hear them. Um, so, yeah, I think NXT UK, I mean, at the end of the day, it it's probably is, I mean, maybe above 205, but it's pretty much bottom of the totem pole for WWE. But that's par for the course, given that it really is kind of like a territory uh, a branch of NXT. So give it time though, because I, I do feel like they're growing and that the match quality that they've put on is undeniable. And that is, that is eventually what will get people and every takeover they've done. I know they've only done like three, but my God, they are sensational shows. You can watch them on the network and you will be drawn in. I guarantee you that. Um, there's another uh, super chat here. Uh, hot take from mayor of Painesville, Dan, Dexter Loomis fan himself. Brian Myers is Impact's best guy. He's ace. We did see Brian Myers last night. Uh, what do you, what do you, I mean, I wouldn't put him above Chris Bay, but yeah, SB3. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, is he in my top five in Impact? No, probably not. But he's being used a lot better than he was used in WWE. I will give him that. I like his lariat. I just think that they haven't really gave him the opportunity because I feel like it's been like a gradual decline in who he's been feuding with, especially from the start when he came in and got an impact world title match on his first night. And then he went from feuding with Willie Mack, which is good. It's a good progression. But then he went from Willie Mack to Tommy Dreamer, then from Tommy Dreamer to Swoggle. So it's like, are you really giving him the opportunity to kind of show that he can be the best guy? I don't mm. think they've necessarily done that yet, but I, I got to put Chris Bay above him. Rick Swan, Moose, Sammy Callahan. He cuts a hell of a promo. He cut a good promo last night as well. And uh, Josh Alexander, I think, as a single star, has that's untapped potential right there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, let's get to some Ultra Chats. We do have three in the chamber before we wrap up tonight. The first one, and um, we might as well stick with Impact and AEW, comes from CM Chris. 
The new man on Twitter, well, he's returned to Twitter, apparently. Uh, Hello, Alex and SB3. As I couldn't sleep, I got a chance to watch Impact Wrestling episode on YouTube, and it was good and a fun time again. Can't wait to see what happens tonight on Dynamite. Hashtag EGE, elite good eggs. Hashtag belt cleaner, Kenny. Um, Yeah, man, we, we kind of touched it on earlier, but absolutely, I'm very excited to see, you know, to me right now, Roman Reigns is the best character in wrestling, but all of a sudden, you know, my argument maybe a month ago was, you know, Kenny Omega's amazing, but like, you know, and now his character is really coming up for me. I'm super interested in where they're going. And part of that is uh, Don Callis. I'm loving that that addition to Kenny Omega. I think it's perfect. So very interested at IMSB3, you? Yeah, I mean, the, I've always been interested in Kenny Omega. I think we, without like our first debate. <laughs> really? That was our first debate, uh, talking about who, who we thought was the best injury performer of 2020. I think it's still Omega, and he's done nothing to kind of uh, take me away from that argument. But I I didn't have him in the conversation for wrestler of the year. But this last few weeks, he's kind of, kind of put himself in position. I mean, winning the AEW world title, it sets him up for a bigger 2021. And his character, just that, that first promo... That was the cocky, the cleaner that I fell in love with in New yeah. Japan. So to get a little bit of that, to get the goodbye, good night, he has a lot of things that make him a draw, make him a main event player, and can make him the most interesting character in professional wrestling next year. That, listen, Chris Petru has had a hell of a topic there. Who's the best <sighs> mouthpiece in 2020? Don Callis or Paul Heyman? My <sighs> lord. My lord, we will revisit that. <laughs> uh, speaking of Chris Petru, uh, he's coming with an ultra chat, but it is via Matthew McCoskey. Uh, so Matthew says, I know both matches are different storyline versus spot fest, but Cole versus Gargano from TakeOver New York 2019 was better than Cody versus Dustin at Double or Nothing. And I know why Matthew says this, because obviously Gold Dust, uh, Dustin Rhodes, made a quip to Britt Baker. Uh, I believe, yeah. believe, believe, was it on Dark? Or was it just, was it on yeah, Dark? it was on Dark, on the waiting room segment. Right. He, he made uh, a quip that he'd won match of the year last year and bake uh, sorry adam cole had not um I, I don't think there's a wrong answer here like, i understand that you know both matches are amazing for me personally and i'm talking what i look for in wrestling and that emotion i can't look past cody and dustin i thought it was my best match then i have vehemently defended it on this show in the face of louis ignorance towards the greatness of that match um and I, I stand by it. I still think it's an all-time classic match. You have to look at what was on the line, right? Cody and Dustin had been told nobody would pay to see that match. They were told it wasn't due the stage of WWE. And they went away to a brand new promotion. And not only did they show that it was, they made it one of the you know legendary matches of all time. And the post-show stuff just really probably took it up the extra notch. Um, Cole Gargano. In ring is just insane, right? Like an amazing, amazing match. But I felt Cody and Dustin more. I can understand where you're coming from, and I'm not like Louie. I think Cody and Dustin is a five-star match, just the storytelling that it had. But I think this is this is an interesting debate for us because you were live for Cody versus Dustin. I was. I was, I was live for, for Cole versus Gargano. And I absolutely love that match. Like the, yeah. the ring work and I think the storytelling because they literally 
had to get 15,000 people on Johnny Gargano's side over a 30-minute period because he came in as the biggest heel after being the biggest baby uh, underdog babyface in NXT history. That New York crowd, even being included, we were chanting for Adam Cole. We wanted Adam Cole to win, even though I knew, I knew for sure that he was not the guy, the guy to win here. This was Gargano's moment. And I went with a non-wrestling fan. My friend actually got free tickets uh, from his job for NXT uh, TakeOver New York. And he gave me, he gave me one of the one of the tickets. And he was not a wrestling fan. So he was asking me about the story. And he's like, um, like, who's supposed to be the good guy here? And I'm like, the guy that's getting booed. And he was like, yeah, I understand why, because this other guy's so cool. Like he's just, <laughs> he's cool. He does the everybody chants his name when he puts his, his his hands up. Like, of course, yeah, they're cheering for him. And even him got turned around and is like, no, I gotta cheer for this little guy. This little guy just has so much fight. He's he's persevering, he's overcoming the interference from the other guy's friends. So to watch it with someone who's not a wrestling fan, it had great storytelling, great, incredible otherworldly in-ring action that was the best match that i saw alive probably in the entire 2019 i'd say it was between that and osprey and shingo for last year's match of the year in my opinion but i totally understand where everybody's coming from because cody and dustin definitely was an old school type of really story driven match yeah i think you make a good point about being there that does mean something to how you feel and interpret a match i I do believe that and i'm not really precious about this honestly i'm not i'm not i wouldn't campaign for one match over the other because they are but you know both classics really instant classics so stuff like that never really bothers me you know that seems to be a a uh i was about to pin it on Meltzer, and that's probably unfair but people want to like star rate and rank things so meticulously i don't think that actually is overly or overtly necessary all the time um i you know it's not like because the thing that i hate about that is making out one is like superior than the other i love both of them for like different reasons and that you don't want to detract from the other one by celebrating one you know what i'm saying um yeah. so for me i i really i really enjoy them all anyway We've come to the end of the show and we have one more ultra chat from Maddie, the hot Scott. How are you doing, my brother? Uh, okay, so I'm going to ask a completely random question. What is your favorite and least favorite WWE 2K game? WWE 2K14 onwards. Also, Esprit 3, now's your chance to fire Alex VKM style. I won't ask you to juggle. I'll save that till friday um let it be known i i am unfireable unless it's mr davis so i uh <laughs> this is this is pantomime only but please sb3 give me your best vince mcmahon you're fire <laughs> your your was the best one your r could have gone longer i'm just critiquing I'm just critiquing. That's, that's what you're here for. When, when you when you, you, get, you were the ace yesterday for for that, so I, I got to get your critique. When you came out the blocks, I was like, oh man, he's done it. He's done it. <laughs> uh, no, that was very good. It's very very good. And um, the other part of that, of course, was WWE 2K games. Uh, that's a hard question. Um, it it's is. not it's not the most recent one. I'll tell you that. I. So I quite like the career mode. That's that's basically why I play it. Um, I 
liked the one where you start on the indies and kind of work your way and then you like infiltrate WWE. I can't remember which one there is. I want to say 2K18. Um, because before 19, wasn't it? Might have been 19. Because there's a couple years before that where they just had the same formula of like, oh, you went to NXT. I think it was like two in a row they did that, and then you then you went on to it, another one. Um, so I, I'm gonna say 19, I guess. Um, I've actually done a lot of work with 2K, like, um, it's because of 2K. I was lucky enough to go to a couple of events in America because they set up interviews and stuff. So, um, a lot of love for them, but I just can't defend their most recent one <laughs> simple as that really uh sb3 have you got a favorite um i think the one i probably played the most was 2k14 and 2k19 so either one of those i'm going to lean towards uh 2k19 because i'll play 2k14 and then i didn't get 2k15 because I was like a lot of the modes that I liked in like WWE 13 wasn't there, but I believe 2K14 was the one that had the road to WrestleMania with all the WrestleMania matches. Yeah. And I absolutely loved that mode, especially the the final uh, match with uh, Rock and, and John Cena, where you had to do 101 finishers like they did. And the, the Rock was pretty much uh, undefeatable in trying to get that last uh, attitude adjustment on him. So that was a lot of fun, that one. All right, guys, thank you so much once again. Thank you for persevering with us Why PayPal continues to try and screw us over. Um, goddamn blithering idiots. But thank you so much for, for doing that and being active. I really love the community that we have cultivated here on Wrestling Daily. I appreciate all of you in the comments, whether it be Uptown Avondale, uh, Romba B, A-Shack, uh, A-Shock, A-Shack, uh, Matty of Mod Mother, Jenna, of course, is amazing all the yes. time. Uh CM Chris Bacon Rasha. There are so many of you. Elizabeth Stallion, nonetheless, and Carol Wands. Adam Pearson as well, who's been making his presence felt lately. Yep. Uh, Pierre, like there are a lot of guys that I look at the names there and I think, yeah, they're regulars. And I appreciate every single one of you. Apologies if I've left anyone off. I can't leave off Dex Express himself, Mayor Pansville, Dan, either. Um, so thank you so much, guys. I really do appreciate all of that. I will be back. Tomorrow with Steph Chase, who will be waxing lyrical about the Wednesday nights. And I think she'll love whatever happens tonight because that's the kind of girl she is. Um, and also, SB3 is back on Friday. There's no Louie. SB3 is in his place because Louie is doing his um, dissertation. So everyone here at Wrestling Daily, and I'm sure you guys, make sure you wish Louie luck. We all do. Yes. Uh, getting his stuff done. It's pretty incredible. He's able to straddle this life with his studies, certainly during a pandemic. It, it really, really is. So all credit to Luigi. Let's hope he gets the job done. I'm sure that he will. Uh, until then, I will see you guys tomorrow. And SB3, we'll see you on Friday. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 